Welcome to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast with New York Times bestselling author, Christine Carlson. This month, we're celebrating a huge milestone, the 20th anniversary of the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff series. As a special thank you for your love and support, visit don'tsweat.com for a free download of a beautiful original image featuring an inspirational quote perfect for your desktop or mobile device. Carry a little pick-me-up with you everywhere you go with this lovely gift from Christine and the team. Hi, and welcome back to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast. This is Christine Carlson. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be celebrating 20 years of Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. That is so crazy. But before we begin, let's go ahead and take our golden pause. So wherever you are, sit comfortably with your hands on your lap unfolded and your legs uncrossed sitting upright in a chair or if you're on the floor you can sit Indian style with your spine upright your head upright so you're alert but relaxed and if you're driving of course pay attention to the road and just use this as a breathing exercise so let's go ahead and begin by taking three very deep breaths together as you breathe in Allow your chest and your belly to expand, fully taking in your breath. And as you exhale, allow yourself to decompress, to let go, to just relax. And as you breathe in, breathe in golden sunlight, pure golden sunlight to every cell of your being. Breathing in golden sunlight to your core, to your chest, to your heart. And as you exhale, let go a little bit deeper and just relax. This time as you breathe in, breathe in love, pure love, all the way to your heart, to your core, to the tips of your fingers and toes. Just fill your body with love. And as you exhale, let go of fear. Let go of any tension you feel. And just relax deeper. And this time, as you breathe in golden sunlight to every cell of your being, place your hand on your heart, activating your heart, opening your heart. And just spend a moment in complete gratitude. Your gratitude is the memory of the heart and it is your joy. So just spend a moment feeling so grateful for just something a person said to you or a place you visited or just being here in your breath right here, right now, taking this time for yourself. Breathing in golden sunlight and letting go. And as you take one last deep breath in, relishing this moment of gratitude, go ahead and on your exhale, open your eyes. I'm so excited to be celebrating this 20 years and by this podcast. And I first met Robin Openshaw, my guest today, when she invited me on her podcast, Your High Vibration Life, which is an amazing podcast that you will love to go find in iTunes. So Robin Openshaw is the author of 15 books, including bestsellers, The Green Smoothies Diet and 
12 Steps to Whole Foods, her latest book, Seven Days to Your High Vibration Life, which I can't wait to get, will be released by Simon & Schuster in October of 2017, along with a documentary film called Secrets of a High Vibration Life. She's She's a former psychotherapist, university professor, and she's lectured in over 450 cities in the six years after launching her popular site, greensmoothiegirl.com, in 2007. She's a single mom to four children who are now flying the coop. She skis and plays tennis competitively in Utah and believes that everything is possible if you leverage the highest frequencies in the universe. And you can find her um, at her podcast, Your High Vibration Life, on iTunes. Also look for Green Smoothie Girl on Facebook and visit her website, greensmoothiegirl.com. Welcome, Robin. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Uh, Thank you, Christine. I'm so happy to be here, and it's great to talk to you again. Thanks. So I thought of you because when you had me on your podcast, you talked about um, the impact that Don't Sweat the Small Stuff had for you at a, a very, um, kind of, I felt like it was a crossroads for you, a time in your life where you're really, maybe, maybe you were just going through something and you were looking for inspiration, but I had you on to just sort of talk about, if you remember back to reading Don't Sweat the Small Stuff and what, what that book sort of did for you as far as your entry level into, you know, a new transition or change or wherever you felt like you were at that time. Yeah, I think I didn't even tell you what what was going on at the time, but I will now. Um, I was married for 20 years and uh, kind of like you, only my marriage ended in divorce. And shortly after I was divorced, it was a very major transition, but really what happened is that I was dealing with a lifetime over 40 years of anxiety, and I was always very achievement-oriented, and I had to get straight A's from the time I was in kindergarten on, or else I felt like a failure. Um, I always was, just did 10 times as much as everybody else seems to feel perfectly happy doing, and even that was just never enough to sort of put out the fire of anxiety. And so imagine going through a divorce after 20 years, you have four kids, I had full custody of all of them. Oh my gosh. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. And so the book came at a perfect time and it was given to me by a friend. It wasn't, he actually, I don't think he bought it for me. As I recall, I bought it myself, but it was, it was audiobook. I'd listen to it in my car and I would get through a chapter and I'd say, oh, that was so good. And I'd listen to it again. And then the next day I'd listen to it again. So I probably listened to each chapter three or four times. Oh, my gosh. And it was it was really uh, the perfect timing. And this friend who gave it to me um, had loved it as well. And it wasn't until after I had listened to the book all the way through multiple times that he told me what happened to Richard Carlson. And that really drove it home for me because I was trying to imagine him, you know, he tells stories in the book about, um, you know, being at home, working from a home office with his two little girls and how time with his family matters and being present matters. And so when my friend Matthew, who had told me to read the book, told me that he had passed away, I remember being just thunderstruck and feeling so awed that this man who brought this work to the world to say, you know, what, how much does all this stupid stuff we worry about even matter? Right. How much does it matter? <laughs> Had in fact left life early 
I it, I think it made twice the impact on me that it even would have, just knowing that he sort of proved his own point. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> I yeah. think that is exactly the story that I remember you telling me on when I was on your podcast. That's the one I really wanted you to share. Thank you, because that that is so true about um, the way Richard lived too. You know, like he was so good about saying his goodbyes and saying. It was almost as if he, on some level he knew that he wasn't going to live a long life, which was really odd because, you know, his parents lived long lives and he was really healthy. And But there was there was something in him that maybe knew that, you know, life could end on a dime and, and turn on a dime and you should just appreciate every day. And he certainly did. So I'm so appreciative that you share that. Thank you. Well, it's my pleasure and what a great thing it is to have a podcast where I get to reach out to you and you know we have to kind of impress you with our statistics of how many people listen or whatever but I think I I reached out to you wanting to find you I first of all I googled you I read about you on Wikipedia so that I could then go into Facebook and find you and message you and say hey I see that you have carried his work forward and his work made a big impact on me and so I just like to know you I'd like to to meet you and I I what a, what an amazing thing that not only did that make such an impact on my life after it really solved some problems for me. I would say like my instantly my anxiety went away, but I check in with myself all the time to check out whether what I'm worrying about matters. And just asking myself the simple question, is this going to matter in a year? Game changer. I do that every day and I let go of things that I used to fret about because for some reason I got to 40 something years old and I never asked myself that question. And it's, it's such a great question to, uh, to sift through what is the small stuff. And that's my, that's my gauge now is, is this going to matter in a year? And what I find is that the things that are giving me little anxieties, I would say 99% of them aren't going to matter in a year. And so that, and then the chapter that we're going to talk about today, you and I really made a difference for me. I mean, sometimes Maybe five or ten times in a lifetime, something happens that you read, you hear. Maybe it's even just an offhanded comment that someone makes to you. Maybe it's even a criticism people have of you. It absolutely hits you like a thunderbolt and changes your life. Bam, you are changed forever. And and that's really how I feel about the book. And I'm a big reader. You know, I was an English major in college, and and I'm a, I've been a voracious reader since I was like four. And I, I I consider it a top ten book. Oh, that's great. Thank you. I, I, I think that's amazing. And you're right. It's like if you take away like one or two or three great ideas from a book that changed your life in a, in a huge way, that's all any author could ever hope for, you know, really honestly. And I'm sure in your work, that's what you hope for, too. And I'm sure you impact people that way, you know, that that it, it's really one of the most rewarding things about being an author and you know, is that you can give just some little guidance that actually really hits its mark. So I want to really thank you for sharing that. I was just on a plane the other day and I was talking to the, um, the Chinese gentleman next to me who was flying with his lovely wife and he was asking me what I do. And I said, I was a writer and he said, oh, what have you written? And I told him, you know, he might've heard the don't sweat the small stuff 
books and he started laughing. He says, oh, my wife has so many of those laying around the house. And then he nudged her and said, hey, this is the co-author of the Don'ts with the Small Stuff books. And she says, oh, my gosh, I just love, I love all of them, but I really love your husband's original book. And she said, there's one thing I've always taken away from that book, and it's that I, I is to arrive or leave 10 minutes early for where you're going to go so you arrive 10 minutes early. She said, I've always done that ever since I read that, and it has made such a difference in the pace of my life. She said, I went from being frantic and hurried to suddenly having an extra 10 minutes everywhere well, I go. <laughs> that's the way Richard handled it where he, you know, he wouldn't be bugged with people showing up late because he chose to use that time to sit there and think about something that he wanted to think about and enjoy the outside or whatever. So There's always so a way right. to frame the stupid little things that happen in our day. And then it's amazing how many people let dumb little things that happen in their day ruin their, ruin their day. And ever since reading Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, I find myself noticing that and not with judgment or criticism, but just, huh, look, look at what, look, look at what this person is allowing to, to ruin their day when there's, you know, there's cancer, there's, yeah. you know, losing a spouse, there's, you know, earthquakes around the world. There, there are real things all the time. So I try to catch myself all the time. You know, I think that Richard would approve of this, you know, the 2017 version of some of his teachings are, I check my I check myself all the time saying, Is this a first world problem? Was what <laughs> what what's about to come out of my mouth right now that I'm frustrated with about my day? Is this a first world problem that probably I should just laugh at and put it behind me and stay in the high vibrations? <laughs> so Very good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well I wanna um go ahead and read this chapter and I'm sure you remember this one because you you apparently you have a little story about how this really relates to you. So we'll we'll read the chapter and then you can dive into you know whatever comes up for you as we after we read this, and so will I. So this okay. one's called, and um, this is one that Robin and I picked out together before we came on the recording. So this is called, let go of the idea that gentle, relaxed people can't be super achievers. One of the major reasons so many of us remain hurried, frightened, and competitive, and continue to live life as if it were one giant emergency is our fear that if we were to become more peaceful and loving, we would suddenly stop achieving our goals. We would become lazy and apathetic. You can put this fear to rest by realizing that the opposite is actually true. Fearful, frantic thinking takes an enormous amount of energy and drains the creativity and motivation from our lives. When you are fearful or frantic, you literally immobilize yourself from your greatest potential, not to mention enjoyment. Any success that you do have is despite your fear, not because of it. I've had the good fortune to surround myself with some very relaxed, peaceful, and loving people. Some of these people are best-selling authors, loving parents, counselors, computer experts, and chief executive officers. All of them are fulfilled in what they do and are very proficient at their given skill. I have learned the important lesson. When you have what you want, which is inner peace, you're less distracted by your wants, needs, desires, and concerns. It's thus easier to concentrate, focus, achieve your goals, and to give back to others. Now, that is so simple. I mean, that's, that's one of the beauty, beautiful geniuses about this book is its simplicity. And I would just love to hear how you relate to that, Robin. 
of the things that was a eureka moment for me where I read that and I started to notice all the people around me who were easygoing people who weren't so hard charging that they they drive over the top of other people who don't climb the career ladder stepping on other people's heads who 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 go home at the end of a work day and spend time with their family instead of thinking that this project at work and their work in general is the only important thing and it was helpful to me because I'm such a Not that I've become far more that person, and I think people experience me in a completely different, softer, uh, more 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 um, willing to give my time than I used to be. But I was born running at a sprint and uh, trying to get ahead and get more education and learn more and do more. And it's like he gave me permission to see that I could be successful without having to push so hard. Yeah. And that people people matter, relationships matter, breathing outside in the sunshine, I matter enough to just go do that in the middle of the day. And I, I do this kind of stuff all the time now, and it's partly because that gave me permission and gave me awareness to look around and see that it's not just the type A's or the red personalities or whatever your code is, there's always the the one, right? I was all those things. I was all of them and and uh, to realize that I don't need that to be successful, let me get really serious about relaxing more and enjoying my life more. And I just turned 50 a couple of weeks ago. And, oh, happy and birthday. Thank you. And, and I, I want that to define the next decade of my life. I don't want people to find me rushed and um, acting like whatever – that makes me so busy is more important than they are and so that's that's kind of what I loved about that chapter how about you oh I love that yeah you know what I love about that is that it you know prior to really all the research that's been done on happiness Richard wrote this book you know like kind of pioneered all these ideas in so many ways before all the research on neuroscience really came out in like 1999, I think that was when there was just a lot more research happening on the brain. And, you know, what I love about this chapter is that now we know that when you're in fear and you're in a fight or flight response in the amygdala portion of your brain, you're, you're not able to cope in the sense of, you know, activate that prefrontal cortex, that CEO part of your brain that really allows you to make really great decisions. You know, you become super reactive to the circumstances of your life. And, and I think that when people um, have the misconception that, it, that their fear and anxiety is what drives them, then what they're really practicing in their life is an inability to access their creativity through calming down, through being really peaceful and content. That it, it really is the very truly, um, the person who can calm down and access their creativity is the one that, that really comes up with the best solutions to any problems. It's always the person that is the most creative in the room too. And, it, and if we track, like when we get our most creative ideas, they're usually when we're very relaxed, right? They're when we're in the shower or we're on a run or we're driving or we're not trying to think so hard. It certainly isn't when you're feeling anxiety and fear and so for me, you know, that's, that's what that has always really um, spoken to was that 
being content um, isn't isn't about like lacking motivation. Being content is about looking around you and feeling really grateful for what you have, and also creating from that that space of peace and calm. And you know, this whole the whole series really points to um, becoming you know less reactive to life and more responsive to life as being the generator of greater energy, greater peace, and greater joy. So that that's what I really love about that chapter and and so many like it in the book about how life really isn't such an emergency and we can really calm down and carry on. And I really just love so much that you've made that your intention. Um, that's so powerful, Robin, you know, for the next decade or two decades of your life, you know, to to have to leave that impression on people and to really feel that because what you've really just stated there is that you've you've made the intention to be really mentally healthy and present um, for the people around you and especially for yourself. And I love that. Yeah. I, I feel like having my eyes open to that, uh, that, you know, core truth that you just read has made me a much better boss. If someone makes a mistake, then I free them to make more mistakes. And I say, Oh, so you made a mistake. Also, that means you're trying. And that's just not, that's just, that wouldn't have been part of my consciousness in my 20s, coming from, you know, being the oldest child of eight from two very hard-charging parents. I never saw my parents sit still, never saw them watch TV, not that you need to watch TV to be happy or relaxed, but they just weren't, they're not relaxed, easy people, and I really believe that all my best ideas come when I'm out for a run or in the shower, and it's because I'm using my whole brain, and I can't use my whole brain when when 80% of it is taken up with you know, fear, anxiety, and thinking how I can get people to do stuff. Yeah. So uh, letting, letting, uh, people be how they are and uh, it just creates flow, creates flow in your life and flow is ease and, and success comes with that flow and ease. It doesn't necessarily come from willing it and forcing it. That is so true. I remember, you know, I don't know, you probably don't know this, but Richard started out his, um, professional life as a rolfer. Did you know that? No, like the ones who like like crunch all the fascia in your under exactly. Your... They do manipulative oh. like manipulative tissue body work. So he started out his career like at, at right. Well, he was a political science major. Then he almost got an MBA in business, and then he was going to go into financial planning, and and just like walk right into like a six figure salary. We were just about to get married, and he looks at me and he says. Hey, we're meeting in a cafe in Berkeley. He says, I have something to tell you. And I'm like, what's that? He goes, well, the bad news is I'm quitting business school because I just don't see myself as a financial planner. The good news is I know why I'm here on this earth. And I said, I kind of look at him, you know, wide eyes. I'm like, oh, really? What's that for? And he goes, well, I know I'm a healer and I'm, I'm going to start out by healing people through rolfing. And I remember thinking, oh my God, what are we going to tell our kids someday that you do for a living? <laughs> I remember thinking, oh my God, okay. And and that's kind of what it was like with Richard. You know, he, he was really a man of heart and he followed his heart. And, but I'm telling you that story because it leads me to, I remember him coming home one night after rolfing a client. This is, you know, prior to him getting his he did this while getting his master's and PhD in psychology. This is how he contributed to our household income while I was also working um, when we were a young married couple. But 
So he came home and he said, wow, I had a really interesting rolfing session today with this woman. And I said, why? How so? He said, well, as I was working on her shoulders and I was, you know, she was starting to let go of all the tension that she carried in her shoulders, she asked me to stop. And, and, he, and he said, well, why do you want me to stop? She said, well, I'm, I'm feeling too relaxed. And he said, what do you mean you're feeling too relaxed? And she said, well, I don't know who I'd be if I didn't, if I didn't carry my, you know, if I wasn't carrying, you know, she felt that she would lose her ability to be an achiever if she wasn't carrying all this tension, like carrying it around on her shoulders and in her back. And he was just like floored by that. He was like, wow, that is really a revelation. He thought, how many people feel that if they don't have that tension, like that, that feeling of a rubber band being pulled too tight, that they aren't going to be able to live their life in a way that they're going to achieve anything. And I really think that was the beginning. He was That was why I think he was such a master at understanding people was because he had the, the body working background and the whole mind and emotional and body connection. By the time he became a writer about, you know, 10 years later, he really understood all of those connections and and how people felt about, you know, about these things. And I, I just, that story always impacted me about that woman too, because I remember sort of feeling the same way at one point in my life when I was overcoming an eating disorder. I remember wondering like, well, what, who am I going to be? How am I going to be able to cope if I don't have this? You know, who am I without this? And I think that's sometimes how we can stop ourselves and hold on to things that don't serve us is by, not, is by realizing that we're so much more than our body and we're so much more than our tension and our stress and that we're far better served by being a, a calmer, more relaxed person. So <laughs> There's a little, little in, in, you know, little story about Richard in there that probably not a lot of people know. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's probably one that you haven't mentioned in the past because it's probably fairly obscure, but it's very much like what I'm saying that I thought that that was a fundamental part of me and that that just came with success. And I was like, wait a minute, I can be successful and I can be happy and I can be a lot more peaceful, gentle, and in flow. That is so beautifully said. Now, tell me, how excited are you about this new book coming out? When well, I'm really out? excited about it because it's a big departure for me, and it's very much in keeping with the personal growth space that you live in, which is where I've really been called to. You know, I've been writing nutrition books, and I've been teaching people about nutrition and wellness on lecture tour, and, you know, we get a couple million visitors a year to our site and, and reading my other books. But... But, you know, I started to, I think this is just a developmental task as you head into 50. I, I kind of those things mastered now. And it's like, I want more. And I've learned all kinds of great information that is in the new book about how we evaluate things. Especially let's talk about how we evaluate food. Like we evaluate food based on calories or how many grams of, you know, protein it has in it. But we don't evaluate it on its energetic properties. And so the book is about basically just very real lifestyle issues related to Einstein's statement that everything in life is vibration. And then later Nikola Tesla came along who of course is just, you know, blowing up the world right now, the Tesla company. Um, 
And I mean, I drive a, there's one in my garage right now and it's, it does, I haven't bought gas in the last eight months since I bought it. And Tesla said, every, if you want the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. And, you know, for some reason we haven't taken that into the realm of the kind of exercise we do and the kind of thoughts that we have and the kind of foods that we eat, but they all have energies associated with them. And they're actually getting more and more measurable. And there's more and more science about the energies of our thoughts and emotions. And, you know, since we're talking about fear and anxiety, you know, because I speak the language of energies, I think those are low vibration emotions. That's another reason why I'm held back by my anxiety. And if I check in with my anxiety and say this thing that I'm, that I'm worried about right now, is it going to matter in a year? Um, and then I'm able to release it and let it go. Then I can get back to those high vibrations of gratitude and joy and peace and love. Those are, those are where we all want to live. And Foods are the same. Foods are the same. There are low vibration foods and high vibration foods. And so that's what the book's all about. Oh, that's so cool. I can't wait to read that because, of course, that is really a very powerful and a very current conversation. And I, I love that. I can't wait to read your book. So I'm going to um, just say thank you so much for coming on the podcast. What a wonderful conversation we've had in celebration of our 20 years. And I just want to thank you, Robin. What a lovely story that you shared. And what an incredible contribution that you've made personally in, in all that you do. So we're so excited um, to hear you today. And I just want to remind everyone that you can find Robin at greensmoothiegirl.com. And do not forget to check out her podcast, Your High Vibration Life. Robin, thank you so much. My pleasure, Christine. We'll see you all. And please come back again and listen. We're going to be offering all sorts of wonderful freemiums for this 20th year celebration. And remember, don't sweat the small stuff. You want to become more responsive to life, less reactive. And when you keep life in perspective, your peace and joy will rise. Thank you so much. Bye. Thanks for listening to Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff with Christine Carlson. Visit don'tsweat.com for your free download of a beautiful original image featuring an inspirational quote ready to make its home on your desktop or mobile device.